Hey everybody, this is Kim Blackwell and Louis Extravaganza and this is Work, Work, the podcast. Voices for the voices that go unheard. Today we have the incomparable Carlton Wilburn on the show. I know, we're going to pause here for the applause. Now, as you know, because I know many of you know, Carlton Wilborn is an American actor, dancer, author, and motivational speaker. And he first gained global attention as principal dancer for Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour and The Girly Show. And he also appeared in a little movie called... uh, Truth or Dare, and Strike a Pose. And, you know, various other things that we are going to get into today. Yes, and also a life coach, we, which we are definitely going to get into. Yes. So, everybody, welcome Carlton Wilborn. Hello, y'all. Hey. Hey, fam, what's up? Oh, my God, so excited to have you here. What is going on? Lucy Kim, Kim and Lutz. The team from back when is back in front of me. That's right. I love this. Yeah, no, this is amazing. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Oh, my God, thank you for saying yes. We want to go way back and starting practically from the beginning. So you were born in Chicago. I was born in Chicago, yeah. I grew up on the South Side. Um, I'm the baby of five. Woo! Started dancing, you know, it's so crazy. Like, seriously, like, I'm I'm just, I'm just really getting to the real, like, I'm about to go, like, so we're about to nosedive deep. Like, oh, yeah. Yes. Out the gate, right? That's yeah. just kind of Let's get into it. No, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just starting to coming aware of the, like, divine strategy to what has my life be what my life is now. Right. You know, and I say that because, yes, I'm from Chicago. Dad's from Augusta, Georgia. Had family in Florida. I used to go to Florida all the time. Thought I was going to do high school in Florida. Right? Right. My brother Tony and I used to go and study karate every summer from like 8 to 13. And then some crazy shit was happening. I can say shit, right? Oh, yes. yes. Okay, thanks. <laughs> you know who you're talking to? <laughs> Word. <laughs> and so anyway, I thought I was going to go to school there. A bunch of crazy stuff was happening. My freshman year, three months into it, I call my parents. I want to come home. Scramble, scramble. It's the middle of the school. Oh, my God. He's unhappy. They get me back. Wait. So who are you from, staying with? From you, with family. My in dad's Florida. aunt. Okay. Aunt Rose. <gasps> Aunt Rose. Yeah, I was staying with her. Aunt Rose and so my dad's two sisters lived right around the block from each other. Aunt Georgine and Aunt Rose. Okay. I stayed with Aunt Rose. She was my favorite. Georgine was favorite of my brother Tony. I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> and so yeah, so I was there planning to do all of high school. It was a nightmare. I was getting abused. That was part of it. Also, my dad's family, including Aunt Rose, just weren't feeling me. Like, I was a little too city for them. Mm. And they would call me out. And if I wanted to wear, like, you know, Calvin Klein jeans and, like, Stacey Adams shoes, they had something to say about it. So I just didn't feel like I was in my sweet spot at all. Right. So that's when family um, sends me a plane ticket. I'm back home in Chicago three months later. Did your brother stay? No. I just went on my own. Oh. Like, I was planning to just do high school on my own. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. And so I'm back in Chicago. Oh, my God. Middle of the school year, what to do. My mom, quote, unquote, runs into my eighth grade teacher in the grocery store. This is all how God is just amazing. Mom talks to my eighth grade teacher. Hey, Carlton's back. We, we don't want him to go to the school in the neighborhood. We basically lived in the hood. South side of Chicago. That angel is what I call her teacher, Carolyn Curry. That's her name. Shout out, Miss Carolyn. <laughs> said, let me talk to some colleagues and see what we can do to try to help him get into a school now. She introduced us to a woman named Diane Brooks, second angel, who happened to run the dance department at Whitney Young Magnet High School. I had no conversations about wanting to be a dancer or any of that, whatever, whatever. It was just a way because the magnet school had already done all the academic testing. So I missed those exams. But the auditions to get in were for the arts department were coming up in September. Okay. So they thought, let's see if we can get him in that way. Yeah. Diane didn't know me from freaking Adam said, I'll work with him over the summer. I'll teach him the audition piece. 
that he'll then have to do in the fall. But at that audition, he has to pretend like he doesn't know me. He has to pretend like he's learning it all for the first time and he has to pull it off. So in that one shot, I had like my acting chops and my dancing chops had to get proven and poof, it worked. And amazing that she took you under her wing to do that. I mean, over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't this be, and not to get all like Pollyanna on everybody, but wouldn't this be just a better world if there were more people like that willing to Isn't just, amazing? you know what I'm saying? Just, just to up. give a little bit and show up for somebody who, who might make a difference, who yeah. might be awesome, yeah. you know, instead of just turning the other way and be like, no, boo, I don't got time for that. Or, yeah. There's no room at the end. Well, and, and and exactly to what you're saying, Lewis, it helps me as I see all this yeah. and see all the doors that open and all the people that gave me favor and all the moments that gave me grace. It helps me even in the middle of the storm. People say when you're in the middle of a fire, the quickest way to turn that around is find somebody else to pour into. And so it has helped me quicken my own day to find a way. How can I offer? So anyway, so that's kind of where I started, you know, and, and so did I the, got into... Did the audition go well? The, yeah, it worked. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> I got into the school nice. and that was that. Oh my God, I'm in the school. Cool, I'm taking dance classes. Okay. And... Did it come naturally? It did come naturally. Did you feel very Well, let me skin? back. Okay, so yes, it came naturally. In our house, so I'm the baby of five... Two girls at the top, Fee, Candy, my brother Bobby, my brother Tony, and me. Somehow, Bobby and Tony and I just decided that we were should be the other Jackson Five. <laughs> the Wilburn Three. You know, the Wilburn Three. Hello. What? Work. On Friday. Right? <laughs> and of course, who was Michael? Well, you were. Well, of course. Well, yes, the baby. Hello. So, but no, I, I, I say all that to say, again, we literally would just run around the living room, around the cocktail table, getting cursed out by dad for being too loud, singing fucking Michael Jackson songs and the Jackson 5 songs. That's just what we did. Little did I know that that was quietly grooming my spirit to learn about movement and, the, uh, uh, mm, uh, mm, uh, and pushed into this audition. The, uh, the audition worked. Three months later, I ended up in Hubbard Street Dance Company. That's where my career really started to launch. Yeah. But all of that happened because the high school that I got accepted into had its own performing arts or, or uh, dance group called Guys and Dolls. <laughs> so I was a member of Guys and Dolls at like 15, 16. I love it. Oh my God, it's insane. And we would do like, at the Copa, Copa. Yes. Like that was one of our main <laughs> songs. Yeah. So we were perform. So we won citywide dance competitions in high school region, public school for three years in a row. That's awesome. Won that competition. So my performing chops were up right. from that, which then got me to find Hubbard Street, got into the company at 17. So at that point already, in just that span of a few years, are you thinking you want to be a dancer now? No. No. Oh, really? Well, Kim, that's crazy question and perfect. What happened? What happened? Was. What happened? <laughs> so somewhere when I'm around 14, I'm back in Chicago. I am watching CBS News. They're doing this expose on this young chick, white chick named Shauna Goddard. She was the youngest person inside of a professional company. She was 14. She was a soloist in the company, Hubbard Street Dance Company. I'm watching this interview. She's 14. I'm 14. I'm like, oh my God, she interviews well. She's like, they're showing some clips and she's amazing. That's that. Cut to, I get accepted into the school. Right. Three months in, we go on a school outing on a Saturday to see a matinee of some artistic something. We decided to go see this dance company. I completely forgot about what I saw on the news. Never dawned on me. It was a matinee of Hubbard Street. We're in the house. House lights go down. Curtain flies. First person. that, And I'm bug-eyed, mouth open. This first person on. It's that girl. Right. right. That was Shauna. So, Kim, to your question, it was that afternoon in that seat that I decided this is what I want to do for my life. I want to dance with this company and I want to dance with that girl. 
that's how it that's how it came about. So tell us about Hubbard Street Dance Company. Was this uh, local? This was. So Hubbard Street Dance Company um, owners a dude named Lou Conti. Okay. Um, he's the founder of the company. Hubbard Street is always, it, it is the premier company of the city. It was back then. It still is. And you guys, is it modern dance? Is it, it is most, well, it's morphed. Okay. So when I was in the company, it was more of like a jazz company with classically trained dancers. So all of us had ballet training, but the but the rep, which at the time was mostly Luz, and then he had an associated woman named Claire Bataille, dear friend of mine who recently just passed away, um, but she would dip in and do some choreography, but it was all jazz-influenced. Then it slowly became, and at the time I joined, I think there were maybe nine of us in total, five women and three Eight of us, five women and three guys, myself okay. included. It is now 22 dancers, mostly considered a rep company now. You know, so they have choreographers from all over. They right. come in with their own styles. You've got to be adept enough to pull it off. And right. that's how it works now. So, yeah, so I stayed in Hubbard for about five years. I left for a while. I lived in Australia, went to seek out the Sydney Dance Company. Wow. Um, so I was there for nine months. Then that was awesome. Then I came back to Hubbard for another season. With promises, because I, you know, I, I was in Hubbard Street. I built myself up to be one of the soloists, but I wasn't getting like the lead role things, and I was frustrated about that. Right. And when I went to Sydney Dance, they started building pieces on me like that. And then Lou Conti hit me up and was like, "Hey, if you want to start performing again, we have a place for you. If you want to come back." I went back under the guise. We had a full sit down. Here's the kind of stuff I want to be doing. At the time, Greg Begley and Rick Hilzebeck were the main guys. And so I knew kind of more of where I was and what I wanted to be doing at that point. But that didn't pan out. I went back to the company for six months. I was doing the same shit I was doing from before. And I was like, mm. Thought we had a conversation. Right. You know, but we finished out that season at the Schubert in Chicago and I thought I was doing my like two week notice to let them know, finished out the run, blah, 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 blah. Wasn't smooth enough. And Lou and I ended up in a lawsuit that ran for years. Oh no. Wow. So for many years, I was banned from the premises of Hubbard street dance company and the Lou Conti dance studio. Because you wanted out of your contract. Because I wanted and they, out of my contract. Right. And, and they, he th said that, I didn't do that the right way and I was costing Ugh. the company too much money and then and, 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 and it was a big it was a big crazy deal for right. me. So but that was that. So that's where I started with Hubbard. Um amazing stuff. All that I learned from Lou got me to M, you know, into the Madonna camp. And uh so back to my long ass winded statement about <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> I had stuff rolling before, but anyway, y'all know what's up. Y'all know what's up. Well, I think that it starts probably because you guys were young. I mean, you guys were babies. Looking back at well, it. Well, they were babies. Again, I was 26. You? you were not. Yes, girl, I was. They were 18. I was 26. Well, you, so how yeah, are hello. you still 26? You looked 19. <laughs> Explain I heard a side compliment and it threw me off. <laughs> so wait, but okay, so you left Hubbard, so what? And then you traveled so I, to Los Angeles? No, no, no. So I left Hubbard Street, um, and then I went. So while I, at Hubbard, they're now slowly becoming more of a rep company. Lots of different choreographers are being invited in. Right. Twyla so you do Tharp a lot of different styles. Lot of things. So a guy by the name of John McFall, who was running a company in Columbus, Ohio called Ballet Met, he came in to do a couple of pieces. Okay. He was definitely up my speed because he was much more character-driven pieces. Right. You know, you had roles and you had costumes and like a full look and a thing, not just a unitard and tights and right. whatever. And is that what your passion was, doing more of that type of dance? That's just... Did you have a yeah. style that you, you... Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Kim, if I would say that it was my passion as that that's just how I was built. Yes. Like, I don't know how to not come from 
the narrative of what I'm doing with movement. Right. right. You know, the Character. why, what are the words of the movement? Yes. That's really what I always it's say. It's really storytelling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's where John McFall was from. So John came and did some pieces with Hubbard. That was really awesome. Then John invited me after I was already ready to leave to go to, to come to his company as a guest artist for nine months. Okay. So I did that, and that's when I really got, he built like amazing pieces on me from ground up, me, eh, and that's what I got the fever for. So that was the last real company work that I did right. before I decided to move out to L.A. And what was, what precipitated the move here? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I wanted to move to L.A. I had known a lot of folks that had moved to New York already and done that track yep. and got burned out real quick. And I was like, mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, not really. And I knew me enough that I, you know, that my focus could be shifty, you know, if I wasn't careful. Right. And so I probably knew that New York was too much. And I think also because I, I knew as much as I had this life in theater with dance and, and, and I started working in film and TV in L.A. Like I started taking acting classes in L.A. I starred in my first movie in Chicago before I moved to LA. Okay. So that's what set me up. Like I came because of all that footage. I had an acting reel. So it was intentional I, to just absolutely. broaden. Yeah. I knew by the time right. I left Hubbard street and had tried it with the other two dance companies that it was now time for me to move my life as an actor. Okay. Right? That's what I came to LA gotcha. to do. Yes. So yeah, this is the place. Yeah. So I came out here after I left Ballet Med, I went back to Chicago for like just a few days and I booked a flight out here to visit. I met with Julie McDonald, who was the biggest dance agent, now runs uh, MSA agency. At the time, it was McDonald, Helson, and Ricks or something like that. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I met with her. I have no idea how I got to her, but somehow I did. And she said, if you live here, then we would be down to sign you. I was like, okay, heard that, took note. But again, I knew me and I was like, dude, if you don't have a real focused plan, I will get out there and be all over the place. So I knew I had an agent that was, that was interested. And I thought, "Mm, let me get an acting class. If I could get myself and have an acting class scheduled by the time I land. So I know on this night and that night, I got to be focused. So I did. So I started taking acting classes. Somehow I found Stella Adler West and that's where I started taking acting classes at. So went back to Chicago, sold all my shit in three months and took the train out here with 500 bucks in my pocket. Wow. But I knew that I was coming with an acting reel so I could get an acting agent. I was taking acting classes that first week and I had a dance agent that was ready to sign me. That's how I arrived in Los Angeles in June of 1989. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, 89? Yeah. Oh my gosh, so then you got M really quickly. Yeah, it was literally a year later, right? Six months later. Six months. Yeah. Yeah. So because I landed in June. Um my very f- <laughs> my very first gig was a music video for George Clinton. Shut up. Yes. <laughs> Color hair, hair pieces, cocaine, all up in the dressing rooms. Wait, in eighty nine. So was it Atomic 80- Dog? No, oh. no, no. That was way before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Don't even get me was turned. It? Oh, girl, don't. No. Don't. <laughs> wow. I said I started with George Clinton. Too many drugs. Go, go Yes. Brain gone. Hello. Yeah. I love it. So, yeah. So that's, uh, that's crazy. That's how my world started. So. Yeah. So. I love yeah. how you came with the plan and focus and just. You know, the wherewithal to know that if you didn't have all these things in place, that it wouldn't be an option for you. Because sometimes people just pick up their knapsack and literally just go. Sure. And you came with a plan and it and it worked for you. Well, you know, it did. And I'm super grateful for that. And so much of that kind of stuff for me is the stuff that's bigger than me. You know, where Mm -hmm. I really do see how my soul was anointed with certain abilities called focus, called discipline, called courage. And yeah, I mean, yes, I don't take away from the fact that I put in the work, right? you know, but I also do get that I can be messy and sometimes I wasn't. Right. 
Yeah, I love that. What you said earlier, divine strategy. I love that. Yeah. Word. I'm, I'm stealing that. Yes. So how does the audition for Madonna come about? The audition came about simply that we were, you know, I was now with Julie McDonald and the big dance audition happened and we got the phone call to go to this big audition. So it was just an audition. And um, but I had already been doing a bunch of auditions and working, you know, and doing stuff already. Um, I'd done the Paul Abdul's. That was a huge gig, um, like December for the American Music Awards, Paula Abdul opened. And it was her planning to work with like 18 guys, like Paula and 18 right. guys. And at the time, it was a really big deal because half of them she specifically wanted from L.A. and the other half she wanted from New York. And it was the first time that like the New York dancers, the L.A. dancers were going to do the thing together. Right. <laughs> Ooh, shit. You know, and it was a talk, you know, because what we... How I remember the conversation was like, we were like, you know, the L.A. people were thought of as like the performers right. Right, against the New Yorkers who were thought of as like the technicians. Yes. Right. So it was like, who's going to bring the bring the bring the bring? <laughs> and it was amazing. And that and that worked. Yeah. And so that got me that really got me my confidence. Yeah. You know, and um, I got to work with this whole blend of folks. Uh, dancing yes because the other stuff you know the music video stuff was you know you're not dancing that hard it's not that crazy you know you know it's all film so you so your wind is not as extended exactly. and all that so getting pushed to do something live and throwing a woman and, and all that kind of stuff that I got to do with Paula for the AMAs was great right and then it was only in January of of uh, 90 so 89 I arrived in June Paula end of 89 the beginning of 90 is when i got the audition and we did the audition for the blind ambition tour so going into it what are you think i always think like imagine you guys i mean this is such a different level and such a different you know you're going on this tour a war it was a world tour it was right world tour. a world tour with all these people you don't know you're gonna be thrown into this big mix on this world stage what are you thinking going into? Is it just like another audition? Are you excited? Well, are you again, thinking of a trepidation? Me, yeah. So for me, I had already done some pretty big performing. So I, you know, done the auditorium theater in Chicago, the Schubert theater in Chicago. You know, my first gig when I joined Hubbard street at 17 was my first performance with Hubbard street was at the George Pompidou center in Paris. Wow. By the time I got to Madonna, and having that opportunity. Also, I had already gotten accepted because I was supposed to go on the road with Whitney. So okay. I had already auditioned for Whitney. Whitney was on hold. She didn't know exactly what she wanted to do with her schedule yet. In that whole pattern, Ring M is having an audition. So I went to the Madonna thing, really not really caring about it. It was more to just have fun and see if I could class. see this. Yeah, really, <laughs> yeah, see right. this woman and take a class. Right. Because right. I had one in my pocket. You know, it was like, right. whatever. And that's how some of us took class back then when we didn't have money to pay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go learn these combinations. Okay. Because you were hitting it. And so, of course, you're getting that workout in. It's and so you're also true. getting that, you know, that I have to learn this routine as quickly as I can yes. thing going on. So, you know, if you wasn't hitting a dance class, you better be hitting an audition. Right. No, it makes sense. <laughs> it was so. the training. It really we was. really use the audition time yeah. as the training time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not just going to get a job. Right. It was like build it and groom it. So. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. But I think just the concept of, maybe because I'm old, <laughs> of going on a world tour, I'm just like, oh, that sounds exact. Really? How long are we going to be, how long is this tour going to go on? <laughs> well, I think really <laughs> this moment. When did we get home? But I think this moment, Kim, is like, <laughs> yes. But, you know, back then, Kim no, would have been, back then, Kim would have been like, okay, when are we leaving? <laughs> when, oh, we got to come back? <laughs> yeah. 100%. I love being on the road. Do you? Me too. Always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll do a staycation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. I definitely, here in Los Angeles, felt like, mm, want a shift. Can't yeah. do it too big. Need mm -hmm. something. I'm right. going to go stay in a hotel for two nights. Let's mm -hmm. do it. I just love it. I love being pampered. I love room service. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that yes. stuff I wouldn't be mad at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because you're also not, I mean, it's Madonna. It's not like you're all in a camper right. driving across country. Yeah, like... you're not doing a bus and truck. <laughs> right. You know, the, the irony was that I didn't really grasp the 
concept of the scale of it and the scale of what was about to happen. Right. Honestly, um, me and Jose did travel to like Japan to like open a few clubs for DJs. So we did like a club thing. Mm -hmm. So our world honestly was club, uh, in regards to like creative outlet. Our technical background is of course, you know, all this other stuff. And, you know, we went to Ailey, he went to, you mm-hmm. know, Elliot Feld, you know, we right. had this high school performing arts thing going on, but like our creative, like our going out and getting a gig was club. It was all through the clubs. So right. Even so when we were, you know, in the height of whatever, extra, you know, the, our extravaganza thing going on at that time, it was a club thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was still very confined yeah. to like New in York, Japan, the ballroom, it right. was a club thing. Yes. And so, you know, when they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to go on tour with, you know, Madonna and she accepted and, you know, la, 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 boo, boo, boo. I was like, oh, OK, cool. <laughs> like, I honestly didn't know yeah, yeah, it yeah. was going to be this yeah, big yeah. thing until arenas. Of yeah. Until thousands. Come. And even when we were uh, rehearsing at Alley Cat, because sure. it was so intimate. Sure. That I was just like, you know, this is just our small little trip. Yes. And I think yeah. also, I mean, I think, you know, just thinking, you know, like if you literally just think like scale wise, like, yeah. yes, I'm aware even for what I had done at the time, it wasn't at that level. So, yes, I'm aware that the wardrobe moments are bigger and cooler and funner and the stage is actually bigger and you're walking through this and you're, but to what you're saying, Lewis, even with that still had no idea the scale of what all this shit was going to be. Yeah, because you guys are just really doing the work, right? You're yeah, exactly. We're, just, we're doing the work. Well, right, and as, exactly. And as soon as our rehearsals started, that bubble started to form around us, this little protective bubble that, you know, we were kept in. So, yes. yeah, even, you know, even costume fittings were brought to us. Right. You know, at Alley, you know, right. at Alley Cat. We didn't go somewhere. And so... And I guess within you got you're, you're forming your own family. You're getting to know each other. Yeah. You're forming this relationship, yeah. and you know the I mean, pampering the, began. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> seriously. And then you know, and then we get on the Disney, you know, soundstage, and we were like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this is a thing. Oh, okay, <laughs> now I'm getting. It. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, this is a big thing. <laughs> right. Oh, we're oh, we in a soundstage. Oh, we're doing big. Uh, okay, we're doing. Oh big wait, game. you're bringing in a chef, and we're auditioning <laughs> a chef. Okay. It's like, it's like, oh, that 14 foot pillar is moving on its own. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you want oh. me to help you pick that up? Oh no, 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 <laughs> I can't. They have to. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't touch anything. They have it. It's just like, yeah. Oh, okay. this is Union Boo. Don't try to. Yeah. yeah. Stairs out of nowhere. We got 85 like, people. Oh, okay. So moving these that. stairs are just gonna raise out of. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then we're just gonna. But the moment that took uh, it to the next level for me. And I never really thought about this so much until right now, actually, was the private plane moment. Like, oh, once yeah. you realize, like, the drive around here, yeah. we're leaving on this day, enter the airport from here. <laughs> that, But when you realize you're in that moment that you've seen in the movies where the car is at the bottom of the last step. Yeah. yeah. And all you're doing is walking you're up. You're on the top. Yeah. 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 Literally. Holy. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> right. Oh, my. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is not a coach situation. Oh, no. Yeah. No, this so is not commercial. You know, and my, just, my head is just like, of course it does. And as you're arriving, just like walking up, you ain't buckled a seatbelt. You're not sitting down. What would you like to drink? Can we get you your, what's your drink? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yours is the... You just order off the menu. What? Boom. Yes, and I'll be back. Just just put it at my seat at 27A. (laughs) And you are what, 19? Yes. I mean, that's just... It was fun. Yeah, it's crazy. So what was the rehearsal process like for you? Are you guys... Um, there were long days. Yeah. 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 The rehearsal process was full on. I mean, yeah, it was it was the ten to five. Wow. Six days a week. You know, learning ography, Then right. they brought her in after a few weeks. They had worked with her, so then they just fit her in. 
you know, that was cool to see her show up for the first time. Right. And like, oh, this bitch is turning it. Yeah. Like, oh, she's dancing with us. Like, yeah. wow, cool. Right. Like, mm-hmm. she's no joke. Oh, my God. And then, again, moving into the soundstage, ramp the rehearsal to another level. Because now, once we got there, it's about doing the run-throughs in tech version with full makeup, with full lighting, with full costume, twice a day. Mm-hmm. Wow. F- f- doing the start- whole, ru- the whole so run through re- of the show? Yeah, so we would rehearse in the morning from 10 till 5 in our studio version that was now somewhere inside of the soundstage. Right. Then we would take a break and start getting into hair and makeup to do a run through at 7. So we would have dinner and then do hair and makeup, get dressed, do a run through from seven to nine. Seven p.m. Seven p.m. till nine. Do notes. notes. Yep. From nine to ten. Do another run through that ran from ten till midnight. And who's the and notes are from the director, weeks. choreographer? Who huh? are, where are the notes coming from? Is from the from choreographer and, and, and her? the okay. director and the choreographer. Right. The combination of that team. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's hands-on. Right. She's looking tired. We're where it's late. You know, we had you guys run that section again. We're running that section again. Notes coming. Yeah, okay. full. And how long was the rehearsal process before you guys That was tour? three weeks once we are at the soundstage. Okay. So we did like nine weeks in, in a traditional dance studio, and then three weeks on the lot, on our stage, running every day, twice a day, full makeup, full wardrobe for three weeks. It seems fast. Nine weeks. I'm telling you, I mean, we did have fun. We did hang out. We did, you know, do all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. But it was, I mean, once we were through those doors, there was not a moment that wasn't wasted. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Everything was like, now you're doing this. Yeah, we ain't over here posting this. on Instagram. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. There was no Yeah, yeah. No. yeah. No. Wow. Okay. So what's the first city that you guys hit? Are you guys, do you start in America? We started in Japan. You started in Japan. Did we? Okay, Lewis. Thanks. Okay. (laughs) So what was it like? (laughs) What? Some things I don't log. I don't. Yeah. So first of all, what did you, you did you know know anyone before? Did you know anybody on the tour? The Blonde Ambition tour? No, I did not. I didn't know any of the guys. Jose and Slam were coming from New York. So, but I mean, you guys he, didn't know Slam before, did you? We didn't know Slam before. Right, that's what I thought. So right. just you and Jose are the only people who knew each other really Correct. before the tour started. Kevin and I had seen each other around. Right. I didn't know I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. It was brand all yes. getting to know everybody now. So here you guys are on this whole when does the is the filming for the movie had that started already from rehearsals or is that later the truth or dare mm, it came in somewhere into the rehearsals okay so japan what is it like walking on that stage for the first time Slippery. on this tour <laughs> it rained right it rained it you rained. guys were outside we're they call yeah her the rain goddess because every time she came the last time she came before that as well for who's that girl it rained too so they called her the rain goddess and yeah. you guys are performing in the on rain a wet doing on all the this stage, choreography on, on a stage. wet stage yeah and we had to scale down our wardrobe because she ended up just having us wear just the jackets yeah our vogue costumes exactly our vogue costumes so everything else wouldn't get to- torn up for, for the rest of the tour oh my god so yeah it was yeah she's like i spent two hours curling this hair all these ringlets exactly <laughs> yes well she didn't start the ringlets until europe really mm-hmm. that's true she did ponytail for japan and that's right okay and the only reason why she went to ringlets was because her hair it was pulling too much it was Pull, and she colored it, you know, platinum yeah, blonde. Yeah, right. And pulling it and the product and this, that, the other. Yes. That it was it was way too much on her hair. Right. And the only reason why I know that we went to Japan first was it was the only time that we flew commercial. Oh, wow. And that I was don't the first time. Really? hmm Wow. Okay. So we flew business class to Japan. Interesting. Yeah. Cavassier. 
Oh, okay. Was the thing because <laughs> Cavassier was, was the thing. That was Nikki's thing. It was like Cavassier or something. I was like, oh, girl, how can you drink that? It's like, you know, gasoline for me. Orange flavored gasoline. It was crazy. She black. She no. That's how she was drink Cavassier. So you guys do the tour. So how long is the tour? Three months in total. It's three months in total. Ish. Okay. Yeah. And the tour is over. So then what happens then? You guys, um, the well, movie comes out. When does the movie come out? Like a year later, right? The movie came out, yeah, uh, about a year later, 90. Okay. And I was not able to go to the tour because I was out of the country doing some stuff with Body Glove. I was modeling for Body Glove. Okay. Yeah, so I was in Thailand. Body. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was so big at the time. I Body glove, right? I know. Back then, it are was they even body glove? Everything, yeah. Um, like surfer gear stuff. Yep. So yeah, and then I just, I really just started moving my acting career. Like you know, I came back from that and just stayed in classes and stayed booking stuff and really started driving my acting career and stayed with that. You know, for three years i guess and then for me the girly show started to come around yeah in now, you were the only one out of all of us that did the girly two, show two tours with her you did yeah blonde ambition and the girly show how did one compare well i don't want to say compare because I, I don't how was the second one different than the first like how was that experience sure here? the second one for me uh you know Obviously, it, it, it in in a lot of ways it was more magical for me because I didn't have to show up as I did the first time to prove myself so much. So I, you know, I was invited, and she already knew how to trust me. I kind of knew what my role with her was going to be. Um, so that you was, lifted her all the time. Yeah, I was yeah. sort of that guy. Yeah, you were guys in the duets in mm-hmm. a, on the Blonde Ambition tour. Yeah, exactly. That, right. But she loved Carlton for that because she felt very safe with Carlton. And well, and I think that's right, also so. yeah, and I think that's also because she knew of my concert dance world. Right. right. And a lot of that, you know, especially um, so interesting timing of things in our life. Yeah. And you got to fucking be careful mm-hmm. how it comes back. Check this. I do the Blind Ambition tour. We, we finish that. I get a phone call in between Blind Ambition and the girly show. I get a phone call from, from M. I'm here in L.A. Hey, Carlton, I'm in Chicago. I'm supposed to be working on this movie with Penny Marshall <laughs> called A League of Their Own. And there's this dance number that they want to do in the middle of it. And they want me to work with this director choreographer named Lou Conti. Uh, Wow. What do you know about him? (laughs) Okay. That was a message that I got. Wow. And I, now again, I'm in lawsuit with Lou Conti. Still. This, my lawsuit lasted over 20 years. Oh my goodness. And the whole thing and me being not allowed and na, 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 na. So I got that voice message from Madonna asking me what I think, basically, if she should work with this person named Lou. And I thought, well, ain't life life motherfucking (laughs) interesting. Uh Uh-huh. It's like all of a sudden you have this you have this power. It's like, do I or that's why you got to be careful because dirty comes back at you. Yeah. I expressed what I thought about it in a way that allowed her and them to work and it made sense. And she told me it was a jitterbug number that they were going to do. Our closing number with Hubbard Street was called the 40s. It was a jitterbug piece. So she told me that. I was like, well, that makes sense. They did the thing. So to answer your question, how do they compare Mm -hmm. kind of? I felt easier with the second one. Also, just the style of the second one was for me more elegant and more sophisticated it wasn't so campy you know the men is women and women is all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. was challenging for me right um so i really felt more at home with the second tour right and so now you're doing this show again you're dancing but you you've already kind of established your acting my careers. Acting right role. so are you feeling are you feeling pulled 
in two different directions. Or, sure. Yeah. 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 I was definitely feeling that. And, um, you know, but she knew and she and I had a lot of conversations, even from the first tour about acting yeah. and being actors as well. And da, 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 da. so when she got me back into the girly show, she knew to sculpt some of the pieces for me in ways that I would get a chance to also be exercising yes. some character play inside of what we did dance wise. Right. So that was really appreciated and felt very cool. And yeah, and so then I finished that and then I hit up Julie and I was like, you know, I, I put the kibosh on my dance career. Wow. And I pretty much said that once I came back from the girly show, I had no dance agents. I only had acting agents and wow. that's all I did after the girly show. Hanging up my tights. Yeah. Huh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I yeah. had no, no intention. I had no agents. I did not want to do that after the girly show at all. And of course, the high point of your acting career, you and I did a pilot together where we play. <laughs> speak the truth, speak the truth. Where we're truth engaged and, truth, truth and, truth. and we kissed on the lips. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. That was fun. So you, I've always been fluid. That's my truth. Oh, I love it. It's true. Actually. And you have this. So we should speak on this voice, this oh. resonant, wonderful voice yes. that oh. you have. Thanks. Yes. Did you ever do classical like plays was that ever an interest um do you mean like shakespeare yes i trained in shakespeare so my first acting teacher arthur mendoza who was at stella west yes um his main focus was shakespeare um so i had a lot of that training did a lot of those scenes yeah throughout the two years in that uh conservatory if you will right but never really perform classics um but thank you for acknowledging my voice you know um i work now a lot as a public speaker i do a lot of that my acting work obviously i'm still yeah. getting to do that and voiceovers. i did a bunch of voiceover stuff yeah which yeah. absolutely you know. makes sense um and, and and you know it's so interesting you know talk about you know we were having the conversation before we got on air about pivoting yeah and, yeah you know morphing um, that's so much of what my career has been about, you know, and so my my voice over career really came on the heels of me finally merging into the commercial acting world. So I moved into my acting career, got my first TV series, which was um, L.A. Firefighters, meaning got as a series regular it was a right. show on Fox, ran for two seasons that got me into that. Then I had a recurring role on Fame LA, which was the up, like the newest installment of Fame, the franchise series. Right. Then my acting career started getting quiet. And I was one of those actors that was like, I'm not a commercial actor, I'm a real actor. Right. I do TV and film, I don't do commercial. <laughs> you better go but, get them residuals. But the bank account was getting real thin. <laughs> And I started seeing a bunch of my friends, specifically Angela Brockman. Yes. And, you know, who I did the girly show with. Yep. And she really moved her acting career well. And she was all over the TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So many national commercials. And I was thinking about that. And I was like, fuck, like, you, you can stay broke if you want to, but here's some folks. And once Boop. I said yes to that, it was literally like a... It really was like a chest of jewels waiting for me to say yes. Absolutely. Three months into me saying yes to the commercial industry, I started booking. And for a good five, six years, I averaged six, seven nationals a year. So then I moved into that world and did a bunch of commercial acting stuff. And I say all that to say it was on the heels of me getting my first national commercial that the producers heard and came up to me and said, hey, would you be interested in coming and doing some of the VO? That's how I got into the voiceover realm. It was never me going like, I want to be a voiceover artist. I just started booking national commercials and from being a principal on camera, they would get me to do all the legal. Right. So that's how my voiceover career came. And then I started doing, um, that got me comfortable as a public speaker, got my first job, in 2008 for the CES convention, which is the Consumer Electronics Show, yep. happens annually in Las Vegas, um, I got invited to do the keynote for Panasonic. 
Wow, that's awesome. So the motivational speaking, did that come out of, I know you wrote your autobiography. Yeah. Which was really kind of about your journey, which we have, we didn't really get into detail about, but you had mentioned abuse and that your father was an alcoholic. You grew up with that story. So was that really the kind of the motivation to speak on and help other people based on what your journey was? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I mean, here's what's up for me. And really quick, the book is called Front and Center and How I Learned to Live There, right? Correct. Which I read, which I live. Okay, (laughs) sorry. Just had to to plug the book. There you go. Bye. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Um, So that book came out in 2007 and to, to what you're bringing up. I have known since I was about eight years old, I kid you not, I had it on my spirit. I don't know how I got it, but I remember my little soul brain thinking eight, nine years old that I knew that I was supposed to, when I grew up, that I was supposed to speak to thousands of people about their power or something. And I couldn't figure out how to, how to get it going. And that's when I started thinking, well, I need to write something. And that's what propelled me to write my first book. I wrote front and center how I learned to live there as what I call my getting free for me to wash my hands on all the shit where life had marginalized me, where I had made choices that marginalized myself and my own journey. And I was like, I'm done, dude. You know, I've been diagnosed HIV positive back in 1985. I was riddled with that being sexually abused from eight to 13 realizing I like guys as well as chicks trying to figure that out. What was my truth scrambled watching my mom get her ass whooped from my dad because he was riddled with alcoholism. And I thought if I, and, 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 you know, God worked on me enough for me to see if I was, what I thought was if I could, if I'm capable of creating all of this, quote unquote, magical, cool things. Ooh, wow. While I have all this beast on me, if I could call that stuff out and get it out and off me, what could I be capable of? Right. That's why I started writing that first book and it worked. And that started my own personal freedom movement, if you will. And so You know, so cut to, and here's my world now. So my world is now in full force, a little bit of both. Yes. You know, I still work largely in the entertainment game and, you know, still performing some, acting some, just came back from New York, was doing a movie there in the end of May. My birthday's May 29th. I actually was there filming in Soho, um, a new film called Vignettes that's coming out. I was there for a week and... But then I'm working a lot as a creative director now, you know, and so my life has just been this mishmash. I'm a Gemini. I'm an ultimate Gemini gypsy. I get it. That's my rising sign, y'all. Is it? Yes. <laughs> Aquarius with Gemini oh, wow. rising. So you can imagine. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm doing this. I love it. Yeah. That's a bunch yeah. of nah, No, I'm on something else. <laughs> so I want to talk about that, the life coaching, because you have something in your uh in your bag called dance formation oh dance formation and i've been reading you know a lot about trauma and all this new research really that's coming out about talk therapy isn't necessarily enough and sometimes it can keep you in the trauma because you're reliving all those things again so Now we're talking about all these different modalities that can, it really, you get it out of your body. Absolutely. Through yoga, through dance, you know. Well, e- listen, e- I mean, thus, thus it being Mo- a real outlet. Ab- yeah, yes. absolutely. An outlet. Yeah. Yes. I love that. You know? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just, mm-hmm. again, so I had this epiphany when I was eight or nine years old. I'm supposed to be speaking and, 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 and. I'm crying in the hallway. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Right. I'm going to write a book. Then somehow I started going to see Anthony Robbins. Yes. You know, the physical giant inside of the life coaching motivational movement. Right. right. And I literally thought because I, I couldn't <laughs> because I wasn't um, ready to accept my own value. I ah. thought that I would be a chocolate version of him. Hmm. 
I did. He's big and animated. And that's the most I could see, though I knew I had these other gems and I knew I had these other truths. I didn't want to own up to them. So I went to see this Anthony Robbins thing. This is around 2008, 2009. I'm thinking of launching my first website regarding my mojo, my empowerment work. And one of the speakers from Anthony or one of the, I don't know what you want to call him, ambassadors yes. for Anthony Robbins um, called me after their event. Hey, Anthony's coming back. Can we get you into one of the seats? And na, 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 na. Well, I had just started. I've already been inside of taking a bunch of classes with Landmark Education. It's another personal development um, technology that's been around and it's global enterprise. And there are lots of different classes that help you get into your thing. One of the pivotal elements inside of that teaching work is what they call enrolling, which is when you basically, in a nutshell, get someone else to agree to do something with you. Right. 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 That means I enrolled you. I need to go to the grocery store on Saturday. Can you drive me? You say, yes, I enrolled you. Hmm. I want to start a company. I need $5 million. You can't do five, but you offer up 50. I've enrolled you. So I get this phone call from the ambassador for Anthony Robbins trying to get me into a new seat. And I'm, I'm thinking right now, well, I'm just about to start my own thing. I'm like, I don't know. I can't. And that, so he's trying to push a new, he's trying to push me to spend some money on a seat and I'm trying to enroll, enroll him into giving me a free seat. Well, sir, we can't do that. I'm just making a phone call. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not, a, you know, everybody. And he's like, I know you can't pay for everybody's seat. I'm one person. Well, how about I call you in a couple of days and you can think about it. I was like, perfect. I'd love to talk to you. But hang on. In those two days, why don't you also figure out who else you need to talk to? That can approve me getting a free seat. Boop. Great. Okay, Carlton. I'll call you back. Sure enough, he called me back. Phone rings two days. Hey, Carlton, it's Steven. Hey, man, how you doing? He's like, let's put Anthony on hold. I did some research on you, and I see what you're doing. Uh Totally get it. Totally want to do it. Let's not. I don't even want to talk, Anthony Robbins. I want to come on as a soft coach to help you get to where you want to get to. I get it. I see it. I believe in it. I'm not going to ask you for any money. Are you at your computer right now? This is what you need to be researching. You need to get your website set up like this. Go to the, that's how I began my whole thing. My point to this is he kept asking me why me as a life coach. Okay. Why you? There's a gazillion of them out there now, Carlton. Well, because I've done this and I've been through problems. Everybody's been through problems. Why you? Mm Mm-hmm. I was petrified to expose that I was HIV diagnosed and I was petrified to commit to serving the HIV community and the gay community. And because you thought that that would stigmatize you? I thought it would stigmatize me. And if I'm being really honest with you, Kim, not something that I've been proud of, but I always, and the reason that I, I ran from dance as quickly as I did, I viewed dance in the limiting way that a lot of people viewed people that had a modeling career. I I saw it as limiting and you're just that. I knew that I was more and I thought that if people saw me as a dancer, they would only view me as a dancer. They would view, they would then find out I was gay and then they would drill down to and find out about my HIV status. And I was petrified of that. So I never talked to Stephen Tuig about any of that. Wow. I just was sharing that I'd been through some stuff. And then and this huge part of your story. And him asking yeah. me, he's like, well, t-, and he could peep it too. People can smell your bullshit when yeah. you're not coming clean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even if the specifics are not on the table. Because he's right. like, okay, well, I hear that. But something yeah. is not adding up. Right. As to We're why, not getting down uh, to the nitty gritty. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah. And it wasn't until about a year later, after I launched the website through his guidance, that I finally got the courage to really do it in a bigger way. And now my book is now out. And I started feeling the power of me being accepted. Yes. Exactly as I was. And in the book, you reveal all of I revealed everything. Right. I revealed everything. There's one chapter that's dedicated to my dad and the trauma that came through his behavior and the abuse and the alcoholism 
There was one there was one chapter dedicated to me finding out, out about my HIV diagnosis. But the through line to the book is my sexual abuse. Right. Right. And so that just really helped me get into my own skin. So wrap all of this up to where I am at currently today. And this is, you know, sort of magical. And I was hoping we would be able to have it, have my dad included in the podcast, but he's a little too shy. He's a little too, <laughs> he's a little too Southern man for that. Yes. Um, my dad is here as we speak in Los Angeles right now in my apartment for the first time coming to visit me in the 30 years that I've lived here. Amazing. This is the dad that, with everything that we've talked about, has never seen me perform. What? And um, so we're getting to have this huge um, visit and time together that's been long in the making. Yeah. That's big and healing for me in lots of ways and healing for him in lots of ways. And so I always say to people, I don't give a fuck what you're going through with your parent. Please, Lord, I pray that you figure it out while they're here. Yeah. Because I know the journey of losing my parent who I know I was gravy with. Right. And loved me and thought the most of me. And the shit that I still had that was unaddressed with her. Mm. Let alone if it was a broken system. Yeah. So I'm super grateful that I get this time with my dad right now. It's been... And it's super important. It's super important, dude. It, and it's been, it's been triggering lots of different things for me. You know, um, he's been here since Monday, and it's been beautiful. Yeah. You know, he's a lot more fragile right now, physically, state. Yes. Than I expected him to be, so we haven't had a chance to do as much as I would like, which I don't give a fuck about. Right. Because I get to be with my dad, and that's yeah. super great. See, the sitting and having coffee across from each other and looking into each other's face. You know, you and, know? And, and today, you know, I was patting him on the thigh. It's like, you know, anything you want to do? And he's like, no, you know, I'm good. He talks like this. Yeah. Like, yeah, Carl, you know, I'm good. You know. <laughs> my dad said, I'm just glad I got to be here to give you some extra juice. That's all we need in life from our parents, right? But here's also how the brain is fucking twisted. So all this time, I've been longing for my dad to want to come. This is where we have to be careful. And this is where I speak to whoever is hearing this. You know, that um, fight for your freedom. And know that the energy that is that alternate energy that doesn't want you in your freedom is real. Call it what you want to call it. But have your eye on that. I say this all these years. Been wanting my dad to show up. Dad didn't show up. Wouldn't show up. Mm, mm, mm. Dad finally says yes. We end up having the breakthrough in 2017. We share the same birthday month. I'm May 29th. My dad's May 31st. This May, I start looking at buying a ticket to get him to fly out here. And then I started watching me pause and not want to get him here. But I'm talking to my sister who's in Tennessee and I'm going to go visit her. And I'm talking to some dude that I met who's fuckable. And maybe I'll fly you here. And I'm like, what are you doing? What about this dad thing that you said was the real big looming issue? Right. So you don't want to get free? So you want to be able to continue the conversation that your dad didn't. Sh and, I th and that's what started me to go, what? The effing is going on. This is not about some other folks. What part of you doesn't want to get free? Right. And this is something as a message for the, the listeners to not lose sight of what your own power is. And what God gave me as a download that day was Carlton. Also remember that my energy, Carlton Wilborn, I have been gifted in a way that I cause a positive difference for people that spend energy and time around me. Yeah. That's something that I do know. Right. I would hear comments all the years, but I'm finally catching up to stand in that. So, so that means this person called my dad is about to be up in my space for four days. So there's a something, something that he might need. I don't know. Maybe relation in relation to he and I as father, son, maybe about something else. That's his own thing. That's right. But the beauty that God would work and work and work me to such a level that for the first time ever, I never guys never thought of this time that I would get to have with my dad would be from 
a framing where I could also be an offering to him. And isn't that a gift? It's the most amazing. You know what I'm saying? It's the most amazing. I was only viewing myself from this fragile, wounded child yes. that needed and what was me and I'm so broken. And yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. So all of us have in us so much more the successful versions of who we are that play themselves out on the daily 24 hours a day. When you get to wake up, you have natural breathing, natural functioning, something. God help me see that. I'm hoping that with this podcast and all the people that you guys are having share their life and their journey with, that it is, you know, it, it obviously is, is a testimony to the resilience that we all have in us, that capacity of resilience and pivoting. Absolutely. And reshaping and transforming. As my brother said to me on Wednesday that helped me have my shift of giving, Carlton, as much as you might view yourself as a broken, wounded child at 55, imagine what it feels like to be dad at 86, Woo! who is still his version of a broken child, still trying to figure it out. Ding, ding, ding. And isn't it a gift that we get to know that today? Speak that. Right? Absolutely. My dad's life right now is so good. Yeah. Dad, can you tell me, like, what's been the time that's been, like, the best time that you've lived in? Like, out of all the years you've lived, uh, now is my best time. Okay. Wow. Now is my best time. Can barely walk. Yeah. A little wobbly. And then, and then well, why is it the best time? Because I figured it out. That's what he said. Wow. What did you figure out, Dad? You ain't got to think and worry about as much as you think you got to worry about. I mean. There it is. On. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so how brilliant. Yeah. We have not. So I thought we would go spend some time and go see some cool movies. Right. Oh, it'll be an action movie because he's he's more manly and doesn't want to see my gay thing. So I'll, I'll take him to see Quentin Tarantino's movie. He don't want to go to movies. <laughs> So what y'all gonna do? So we gonna sit around and talk some more? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. But he's comforted. He knows himself. He's done his self-research. Right. I thought he was having a simple not understanding of life <laughs> that made, I swear to God, that made him say he had a simple good life. This motherfucker actually had <laughs> a simple good life Actually. he wasn't ignorant and blind right he had a simple good life he did not have a lot of trauma you can keep it simple you to whoever is listening you can keep it simple yes mm, mm, mm. work <laughs> that this whole podcast is about much like strike a pose right. was about can have can have several different meanings work can be work to be the one to turn it up and turn it out and blast the room can be a version of work but another version of work can be keep it simple and keep it easy yes can also be a way to work your life that's right that's right. And I'm getting to see that with my dad it's so amazing and I'm so thankful I get to have this timing to be on your show and to celebrate this time with my dad and celebrate my time. So for whatever the Carlton Wilborn name has meant in the world, and we laugh when we hear somebody, people say, I'm just getting started, get ready. I'm just getting started. I mean, how do we go on from there, right? Well. That was like the cap on the toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> that was the cap on the toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> love it and i'm so glad that you came and to here to speak to me and kim it was really just fabulous well kim it's so great to see you oh and you realize you guys are bonded and doing this together right now yeah like energies together absolutely spirit kim this seeing oh, you after you, all baby. these years yes and looking so well in chocolate red right? well thank you I mean, looking exactly the same i can't with kim but exactly the same as she did you know 
those years ago. Use your sunscreen, y'all. That's yeah. <laughs> right? Use more Eat black people, too. <laughs> All right. It's time for our work of the week. Oh. Yes. Now, we have already told Carlton what the work of the week was. So work of the week is something that you shout out. It could be a person, place, or thing that you, that made you say work. Now it could be something that's all lit or it can be something that's been serene and meaningful in your life. So my work, the work is joy. Yes. That's what's up. That's what it is. Joy. Joy. Choose joy. Joy is in there. Joy is available. That's right. For free. For free. That's right. Yeah. Just done came and sprinkled it all over our podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Right. So really, seriously, work and the game. My new game is joy. Feel good, y'all. Feel good. My work of the week is Bruce Talaman, who uh, has a new book out called Soul R&B Funk photographs 1972 to 1982 check it out you guys he was also just on uh fresh air and these photographs were taken he was a photographer for ebony jet and the black publication uh in the 70s here in la called soul and also the photographer for soul Train. so some really awesome awesome photos like behind the scenes very like candid photos of all you know the jackson james brown and donna summer yeah it's, it's really cool. So check it out. Work. Bonus if you go to your local bookstore. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My work of the week is Augustus Wilborn. And I'm going to tell you why. Because he came to Los Angeles to be present for his son. Mm. And even better than that, his son was present and showed up for his dad. So it's a lot. And I know from experience, this, you know, father-son relationship could be a lot. But the joy, the love, and the healing comes from showing up for your family. Showing up. Suiting up and showing up for your family. So, work, Augustus. You came to Los Angeles and you were just present for your son. So, you better work. Work, Augustus. Yes, work, Augustus. <laughs> All right, guys, we invite you to type in and send us your work of the weeks. Yeah, we would love to know from you what your work of the weeks, what are you shouting out? What are you loving? And what are you raising up today and saying, work, this is over? You can type it into us and you can type it to www.workpodcast.com. That's W-E-R-Q-U-E podcast.com. And on the Instagrams (laughs) at Work Podcast. So you get it, Instagram and our website. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Carlton. Thank you, guys. We love you so much. Thank you. All right, so this is Louis Extravaganza. And Kim Blackwell. And this is Work, Work, the podcast.